0: Welcome to The Crystal Payne Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mom of six kids, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. I have sitting across from me someone who I only recently got acquainted with, and as I have learned about his story and his message and his heart, I am just so excited today to get to have this conversation with Shane Stanford. He has a brand new book called Journey Wise, Redeeming the Broken and Winding Roads We Travel, and he has a really powerful story, and I'm just
1: thrilled. Shane, thank you so
0: much for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Crystal. It's an honor to be here.
0: I would love for you to start. Just tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay. Well, I'm um, um, first, uh, I get to say this for the first time. I'm a grandfather, very <laughs> excited about that. I have a little grandson who's just born. Uh, father of three, been married for 33 years to my high school sweetheart. And um, I've been a pastor for 30 years. Uh, Recently, a couple of years ago, stepped out of the pastorate uh, to help found the West Center for Applied Theology in Memphis, Tennessee, and create what we call the JourneyWise Network, which is a media and resource development um, ministry. And so I spend most of my time now traveling and telling people about Jesus. Uh, Our mission, which I think pretty sums up my life, is... Equipping people on the journey of life uh, to love Jesus and love like Jesus along the way mm. so
0: journey wise this concept is that something that you have you know it 's been brewing for a long time. You said that that 's kind of the name of you know what you do and it 's now the name of your book. Tell me about that
1: well journey wise was a phrase that my mother 's mother used uh, when I remember her being with us. Uh, she passed away a- about 20 years ago, and what I discovered in hearing that phrase my whole life, she would tell me that she would rather learn something from every step along the way than have been born the wisest person on the planet. Mm. And when she passed away, um, we found five translations, different translations of the Beatitudes in her Bible. I took those translations, nailed them to my study uh, court board and read them every day for a year. And that's where the book comes from. I realized that the Beatitudes are the wisdom values of Jesus, and they're meant to have practical application in our lives.
0: Mm. I love one of the things you talk about in the book is how you challenge people, like literally pin them up on your wall and read them every day and just see how that impacts your life.
1: Yeah. I, I think that we have to be very intentional with our faith, just as we are in learning and and becoming so many other things in this world. Uh, one of the things that I do that's very similar to that is, for almost thirty years now, I've kept a prayer journal, and that prayer journal is probably you know looks like an encyclopedia thick. But what not only writing it down and praying every day for now hundreds, possibly thousands of people in prayer requests, but I can go back and look 20 years ago and see where that request was answered and how it was answered. Mm-hmm. And so it, you know, the intentionality really does give birth to a depth that I think is so important in the Christian walk. Mm-hmm. Well, and as
0: a pastor for such a long time, you have led so many people. And so when you went into the pastorate, like, did you have that intentionality or is that something that you have developed and learned?
1: Well, I think um, going into the ministry, I had such trouble being ordained, and I know we'll talk about that, and then the first church didn't want to take me because of my health condition. I was just wanting to—I had to figure it out for myself, and so these became practical ways for me to stay connected to my my thoughts uh, with Jesus, to my walk with Jesus, and they just bred into the ways that I could help teach others, and so it just— it works. And I want to tell people it works to be intentional.
0: So you talked about your health struggles. Um, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about
1: that. Well, I was born a hemophiliac, which uh, most people um, maybe do not know. A hemophiliac is someone who doesn't clot and doesn't heal. And so it's not just the bleeding, but it's the internal injuries don't heal well. And um, uh, at the age of 16, having You know, lived through being a a young, active boy who was also a hemophiliac, getting myself hurt and in trouble all the time. Um, We discovered that the medicine used to treat the hemophilia was contaminated with HIV and hepatitis C. And I contracted both of those, we we found out, within a three-year period. And so um, I was literally told at the age of 16 that I probably had three years to live, mm. uh, just because at the time, uh, this was during the Ryan White and the the Ray brothers. Uh, it was a very difficult time for the hemophilia community. And, and you tended to what they call seroconvert quickly over into full-blown AIDS. Mm. And so I was... Prepared. I mean, I, the night before I had gone to bed as the captain of the golf team and president of my class and dating the prettiest girl in school. And the next day, everything seemed to change. And so... I realized at that point that I had to be intentional one more time Mm -hmm. uh, about how I was going to live my life. And and it was a conversation with my grandfather, Crystal, that really sort of shaped me going forward. My grandfather was one of my heroes and just a great man of faith, but, you know, not you wouldn't call him an intellectual at all. He just was a good farming, working hard, everyday guy. And he sat me down uh, after he found out and we found out about my condition. And he said, so what are you going to do with this? Mm And I said, "Well, I don't know if I can what what I can do with it." He said, "Oh, you, you have a choice." And I, I said, "Well, what choice do I have?" And he says, "Well, you can get in the corner and you can cry about it, and be upset about it." He says, "And I love you so much. I'll get in the corner and cry with you." But he said, "I think you're going to make every day count. Mm-hmm. You're going to make every day matter." And I've tried to live faithful to that confidence he had in me, and the way I think I've been able to do that is the faith that I've held on in my relationship with Jesus Christ.
0: Mm-hmm. So take me back to you're 16 years old. Like I feel like as a young man, I have a 14 year old son and I feel like he's, you know, so active and in sports and all of that. And I think like, I just can't even imagine getting this kind of news that you might not have much time Mm. left to live. Like how, so you had your grandfather speaking this wisdom to you, but were there times when you, you know, really Struggled to lean into
1: Jesus and to accept that news. Oh, absolutely. And um, as I look back on it, I know now that God wasn't afraid of my doubts or even when I would cry out to Him, He was there through all of that wanting me to be able to have the confidence to share with him what was going on in my heart. And I had some rough days. Uh, I went through uh, a a time of what I would call real depression uh, because of the news, trying to just figure out how to calibrate myself to it. You know, in 16, you know, 16 is hard enough without anything else coming Mm -hmm. into your life. And to get this news, now, I think I was prepared a little more than the normal 16-year-old because I would suffer hemophilia injuries. It had, had a lot of problems that way. Um, you know, literally, you know, I played two years and then got beamed by my best friend who was pitching for the other team and had a serious blood clot issue. Mm-hmm. And so it was just stuff like that that I faced, but it was nothing— It was life-threatening, but it wasn't at the same time like an HIV diagnosis. And so what I had to learn is I had to learn how to lean in on faith, not just say I believe something, but really lean in on it. And sometimes, Crystal, I did it well, and sometimes there were days I didn't do it well. And that's when I came to realize that Jesus was present both places. Mm -hmm. You know, he's present, you know, in the Bible, he's present at the temple, but he's also present by the well that's Mm -hmm. so far off the beaten path. Mm -hmm. He's present both places. And that's what is so encouraging for me as I share with other people that there literally is nothing. There's nothing nowhere that they can find themselves that Jesus isn't there. Mm -hmm. And I've had to lean into that and say, okay, what does that really mean for me? Um, Because I can remember... You know I the first person I told, and not we didn't tell but two people outside my family at the time because it was very dangerous to let that news out. This was the mid to late eighties uh the the first person I told was the girl I was dating had mm. been dating for a month, mm. and she deserved and needed to know and uh thank goodness that we were part of a program called True love Waits mm. and so that was so important for for us during that time and I've gone all over to schools talking about that importance but um I didn't realize what would happen there. I, mm-hmm. I, I I didn't know if she would say, well, look, I can't do this. I didn't know if her family would be okay with this. And God had angled our paths together. Uh, my wife is a survivor of uh, uh, being molested as a second grader. She's dealt with so many things that she's uh, been able to, to overcome in her life. And we sort of found ourselves as two wounded people who were angled together. And it is clear that. Because we are opposites in just about every way, except the Lord put us together and we work. Mm-hmm. And it's just a gracious thing to see. But, yeah, it's, um, you know, I've had, I've had some difficult moments. It, you know, life is work. Mm-hmm. And I try to tell people that, you know, just because you find Jesus doesn't mean the road gets easier. Mm-hmm. It just means you've got somebody walking with you that you're aware and you know that they're there for you.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so powerful. So you mentioned that you had trouble getting ordained. Talk about that.
1: Well, um, I had to finally reveal my HIV status when I was finishing theology school because you had to take a medical uh, test and and go through all of that to be ordained. I was uh, in the Methodist church um, and um, there was a board of ministry that voted on me and it was 21 to 19. I'll never forget the score, I call it. I got uh, voted in by two votes. Their main concern was not about the morality of the situation, you know, because I had written my orders and they knew that I had gotten it uh, through blood transfusion. What they were scared of was the financial impact, Uh, because if I did live and would go through treatments, that would cost a lot. If I died, there was a death benefit that went to my wife. And I had, you know, this seems so crass and irrelevant today, but there were older pastors who would come up and go, you know, you're going to break us financially either way if you live or die. And that's a lot to put on a, a young seminarian. It's yes. just, just, you know, graduated seminarian. What else happened though at the time was that we got through there 21 to 19, was appointed to a little church outside of Hattiesburg, Mississippi, uh, to be the the pastor. And the church found out about my health condition before we could tell them. Mm-hmm. And they brought everyone in that little community together and had a big town hall meeting about me and decided that they would say no to me coming to be their pastor mm-hmm. because there were people who wouldn't want me to serve communion. They wouldn't want me to baptize their children. And there, and one gentleman did threaten to burn the parsonage down. Wow. And what's interesting, Crystal, is my bishop was certainly not going to send me there, but he made me go to the covenant meeting where we would have met each other. Uh, and what I realized as I walked in is that as hurtful as it was for them to do that to me, they were in more pain and more serious pain than I was because they'd allowed their fear to define them. Mm. And I'm still in contact with several members of that ch- church today. And uh, and I see the ramifications of what happens when fear dominates you. It causes you to make irrational decisions that do have consequences. Uh, I've also, though, been able to watch and, and hopefully minister to them, too, along the journey, even not going there as pastor.
0: I was just thinking, so you have this medical condition that it wasn't any fault of your own, mm-hmm. and then it's causing you to, in a sense, kind of be like an outcast. Yes. And that would be a really difficult place to be in, where you—I could see a lot of people just having so much anger towards God. Like, God, why did you allow this? I didn't do anything to bring this on myself. And now all these other people are criticizing and judging me because of this. And you talk about, not letting fear win like this is so powerful how have you come to this place of living in this victory instead of
1: just this victimhood well i have to separate and and thank goodness my doctor at the time was a wonderful woman of faith and uh, she was in charge of my infectious disease and she connected me to the first chapter of Mark, where the leper comes up to Jesus and says, if you are willing, Jesus, you can make me well. And Jesus's answer is translated like, of course, I'm willing. You have to differentiate between God and how your brothers and sisters react to you. Mm -hmm. Um, Your brothers and sisters are going to react, even the ones that I thought were the closest to me. They're going to react with human frailty. And and some of them will get it, some of them will do it well, some of them won't. And so I had to not be surprised at people living as broken human beings. God was different because what Jesus says to that leper in Mark 1 is, of course I want you well. But what was even more powerful was the fact that Jesus touched the leper, Jesus interacted with the leper. Most religious people wouldn't even do that, it would go around them. And so I, I realized that in a broken world, it wasn't just our spiritual life that was broken, but our bodies were broken. The, the weather was broken. Relationships are broken. And, and therefore, we are constantly dealing with the ramifications of a broken world. We have to differentiate between that and what that means and the God who has sought to reconcile and restore that world, that broken world.
0: I got to try out armoire and I was so impressed. I've tried a few other clothing rental services in the past few years and this one by far has been my favorite. Not only did I love taking the style quiz because it was really enlightening and insightful to me to figure out what my style is and it kind of helped me to refine some things that I didn't realize before. I'm more of a classic style, by the way. But also... I was super impressed within what they curated for me to pick from for my case that they would send to me. And I have to tell you, so I got the armoire case in the mail, which is just a fancy way of saying the bag of clothes that they sent to me. And I have loved Every single one. In fact, I'm wearing one pair of jeans that they sent me yesterday. I wore jeans and a sweater that they sent to me, and I have just been so surprised how they nailed my style, nailed my size, and have sent me clothes that I have loved. So they have so many different clothes to choose from, so many different styles and sizes, and I love that they're all very high quality. If you would like to try out, armoire. Right now, my listeners can give armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoirestyle.com forward slash crystal. That's armoirestyle, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry what to wear again. Try armoire today. Are you ready to turn your home into a sanctuary of productivity and inspiration? Look no further than HomeThreads, where functionality meets stylish organization. At HomeThreads.com, you'll discover furniture designed for the ambitious go-getter, From efficient workstations to chic storage solutions, they've got everything you need to make your home a hub of success. I got to order from HomeThreads and I think of them pretty much every single day because I have this beautiful tree that I ordered from them and this stand in my office and it just adds the perfect touch and I love it so much. If you'd like to order from HomeThreads, head over to homethreads.com forward slash crystal and get a code for 15% off your order. Because where your home supports your dreams, anything is possible. That's homethreads.com forward slash crystal to get 15% off. Home Threads, love where you live. So the Beatitudes are something that have deeply impacted you. I'd love for you to share. Let's dig into that. Let's talk okay. about what are some of the verses, the phrases that have really ministered to you and meant the most to you?
1: Well, I think what most people don't realize about the Beatitudes, and, and I learned this over that year of reading them because I had kind of shied away from the Beatitudes in my life because they felt very transactional. Mm-hmm. If you do this, then you get this. And that I couldn't sort of square that up with God's grace and what we knew about God's grace. What I realized was is the Beatitudes is the privilege and honor Of seeking the abundant life as people born of grace and therefore it is transactional because we're called to work and be a part of what it means to be in that relationship together with god Um, the first beatitude is uh i think the key to all of them Uh, jesus says blessed are the poor in spirit for they will uh see god um or and see the kingdom and what, he uses a word in the Greek uh, crystal for poor, for poverty. That's not the kind of poor that I normally am, where I don't have enough money. You know, my, I, I have three daughters who, who um, love to come ask dad for money. Um, that's the kind of poverty I deal with. That we don't have maybe what we want. He uses a word that means absolutely destitute. So blessed are those who are absolutely empty in the spirit. And what that means is that the more you empty yourself of who, you, of your selfish desires, of your own ambitions, own issues, the more space God has to fill up in you. And they are sequential because if you can't do that, the, the better you do that, the more you're able to do the next one, which is blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I have lost people in my life, people I love dearly, and mourning is not fun. What he means by that, though, is... Blessed are those who've mourned and because they've loved so deeply. Mm-hmm. Blessed are those who've invested and boldly loved to the point that they do mourn when it's lost. Mm-hmm. But, and this is really where the phrase, better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all, Jesus would say amen to that. Um, but the promise is, is that when you've loved boldly, you're able to see things and experience things of the whole experience of life that you wouldn't if you closed your heart off. And I've dealt with so many people in my ministry over the 30 years that just refused because they didn't want to get hurt. Mm. And I understand what that's like. I've lived a life of great risk in a lot of ways, but the risk is worth it, Jesus says, because you will be comforted in ways that the world can't understand. And it and it just goes on from there with these Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the meek. We think of meek today as being weak. Um, but that's it's comes from a word prouse, which is not at all about that. It means blessed are those, the word literally means who've lived an ethical, balanced life, who've seen the the things that they need to keep in balance, to keep in tension. Um, and they you and Jesus would use the example of God's tension between his righteousness and his love. You know, those stayed in tension. And so God made a way through Jesus. But each of us have to find what the balance is in life to live faithful. Um, we know that you know, we're seeing things today in this world where extremism pulls us into places that we, becomes irrational. Mm-hmm. We can't live in that extreme. We have to be able to live with a balance of both our love for God and then our love for each other. And uh, it just goes on from there. Uh, you know, the, the, the Beatitudes kind of have a crescendo to them. Uh, it, the, you end up with blessed are the peacemakers. And I think everybody would agree, would check the box. Yes, I I love peace, but are you willing to make peace? And what does that mean for us? It means it's really a recalibration of our relationships, our priorities, which leads us into the eighth blessing, the Beatitude. Beatitude, it literally means blessing uh, for those who maybe don't know. And um, Jesus says, you know, in the eighth one says, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have difficulty because if you've lived the first seven the world is not going to understand how and why you're, you're walking that way. And there will be repercussions. But he said, blessed are those who are, have pushback in, because of their love for me. And, uh, and that's when you talk about my the discrimination or the fear or the things. I've, and my whole ministry, Crystal, even up into just a few years ago, I would have people who wouldn't want me to baptize their children because of my health condition. And again, it wasn't personal. It was the fear dominating their life and defining them. And so I had to step back and go, okay, you know what, God, there needs to be more of you here than me. Don't let me react out of my own uh, feelings and emotions. Um, I want to make peace because the the, the joy here is not about whether I get my way. It's about whether you're glorified. Mm -hmm. And so I, I tried to keep that in mind. And I've seriously, since my grandmother's death, tried to live the Beatitudes in very intentional ways, similar to how I do my prayer life.
0: You talked about emptying yourself, and you said that's kind of like the start. Like, we have to Mm -hmm. start from a place of being empty so that God can fill us. What does that actually look like? Like, tell us in your own life how you live that out.
1: Um, Again, I'm a pretty ordered, intentional guy. And uh, so every day I try try to make two lists. Uh, what are the priorities that I have to do just to be a good human for that day? To do things that help me to be a good father, a good husband. I always only put down five um, because I realize I'm not going I can put down fifty, but I'm only going to get to the first five. The other are the three things, the three promises I know that Jesus made to me. And um, you know, and it it's interesting that, you know, and I always think of it this way. He he made a promise that he loved me dearly. He made a promise that he reached out for me, and he made a promise that he took hold of me. And each of those things means so much to me, and I try to center myself on the five by trying to live out the three, because I am absolutely—I um, have messed so many things up in my life. I have made so many mistakes, and even as hard as I've tried, and, and with as much— point of reference, knowing how special life is, I still do all the dumb things that we often get ourselves into, you know, angry and upset and and getting, you know, petty, you know, things that we just shouldn't waste our emotions on. I do those. But I always have this backdrop of the two things. One is my faith in Jesus and my health. And I think that I've told people that I have an advantage, I think, over the healthy people of the world, because I don't take every day for granted. And I, I would, I would have loved for my mother's sake, for my wife, for my children to have not been born or, or a hemophiliac, not have HIV, but I wouldn't trade this journey for anything because it's, it, it has shaped me into the values that I hold and try to live every day. And so you write the same
0: three promises down every day. Is that what every I Every mean? day. Wow. I love that because I think it's, you know, it's, like scripture talks about, I was thinking of like, you know, how like the Jews would write it mm-hmm. on their forehead, write it on the, on their doorpost, you know, just how having God's word yes. every single day, that's the lens through which you are viewing life and i bet that just really radically changes everything
1: for you well it does become your true north mm. it becomes your point of reference because if your emotions are your point of reference that day you are going to make a mess of it mm. uh, just because paul says the way you become a holy and living sacrifice in the 12th chapter of romans is by the renewing of your mind mm. I think God gave us a mind in order to be the anchor for the decisions and the ways that we proceed in the world. We, we of course, want passion. We want our heart to be involved, but our heart can't be the first way that we respond to the world because we will mess it up. And that's why I try to be very intellectual, thinking about what are these three promises? What are the five things that I need to do that day? Um, Recently... Uh, we did have our first grandchild who is wonderful, just beautiful little boy. And and I'd been told by people, you know, this kind of love is different. You're going to feel it. I'm like, oh, you know, I love my children. It is. It has a very different sense to it. And I think that the sense of it is, is that a grandparent's love is oftentimes freed up from the other things that you worry about when it's your children. And that freedom is such a powerful thing because... To not have those that other baggage, you all you can do is just love uh-huh. and experience it. That's what God did for us through Jesus. He, Paul says that when you are made free, you're free indeed. You're because the love of Jesus takes these other things. He it, it recalibrates. It flips over. Most of the time, we live the things of the world over our promises from God, and it flips those over and helps us to to live those more faithfully every day. Mm-hmm.
0: As we close, I would love for you to speak to the person listening who they need some hope. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they have a medical condition that is ongoing or they have, they're awaiting a diagnosis or they're in a really difficult financial position or just really, really struggling in their marriage um, or just some burden that they're carrying right now that just feels really, really heavy. Mm-hmm. And your story is inspiring to them because they want to know how it looks to walk by faith instead of letting fear be in the driver's seat. What encouragement and hope would you give to that
1: person? Well, the first thing I would say to them is that no matter what you're feeling like today, know that God loves you deeply, mm-hmm. and that the the life of Jesus is the full expression of God's love for you. and if you're a parent, especially, you would know what it would be would feel like to give a child over. For those who didn't even appreciate it or know it and to still give that sacrifice over so that power that love is so important i would encourage them and say i know where you are i know how dark the day can get i know how afraid you can be and i know that it feels like there is no end to it but as much as i've been prayed over i know that i will be healed i may not be healed on this side of heaven but i will be healed one day and i trust that promise and so um it's like a friend of mine um, uh, is the child of the founder of holiday inn Mm -hmm. and holiday inn was founded because not because he wanted to make money but because kemens wilson just wanted for his family to have a good comfortable place when he took them on vacation and he realized that he could do something about that and what i've discovered is that on this side of heaven there are going to be uncomfortable places And I can do my best and be faithful to help you, my brother or sister, be faithful. And in the process, I'm I'm addressing my own issues. So don't get so focused on your own pain, because a lot of times the way we deal with our pain is by helping someone else. And that is true in the Bible. But the second thing is I know I will be healed in heaven. And I know that I'll be able to look in the face of Jesus and I won't have to worry about this broken body. And my hope is for both today and for that day that I know will come. And I've had to do that for many, many years now.
0: Your life is a testament to the faithfulness and goodness of God. Like, I'm just sitting here so inspired and so encouraged. And I think it's so easy for me to get caught up in the day-to-day and to forget, like, every day is a gift. And I love how you're living that out. What your grandfather told you when you were 16, how you were choosing, you're choosing life. Yes. You know, you could choose death by just saying, I'm just, I'm just giving up. This is just too hard. But every day you're getting out of bed and you're choosing life. And I just appreciate that so much. And I appreciate this book that you have written to really point us to Jesus, to point us to live our life in a way that emulates Jesus, to be empty of self so that we can be filled up with Him and live that out to all of those around us. So I would encourage everyone, get a copy of JourneyWise, Redeeming the Broken and Winding Roads We Travel by Shane Stanford. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.